Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. How y'all doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Man, I'll tell you what, uh, Ross and Marshalls, they're probably sold out of every sweater they've ever they've ever had now that it's uh, officially wintertime here in Florida, man. I woke up this morning, and it was 34 degrees outside. That is not of God in Florida. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not how I live. Um, Pretty sure I'm wearing like the only pair of toes clo- closed-toed shoes I got in my closet. Everybody's looking right now. Look at that. Look at a little pair of Sperry's. Yep. Erica bought me these, I think, when we first got married or something. It's literally like the only. I've got these. And, hey, this past week I did buy my first pair of Crocs and the, with like the fur on the inside of them. I almost wore those, but Erica, I'm pretty sure, would divorce me. So, Also, they're like white, so they're like super dad and nerdy. You know what I'm talking about? I'll wear them next week. We'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I'm glad you guys are having a good weekend so far. Man, this past week has been uh, just absolutely crazy, man. It was uh, it looked so dreary and dark all week long. Uh, and then even we heard uh, there was supposed to be a low of, you know, in the 30s today. People got their their uh, blankets out and put them over the bushes and stuff like that. You know, all the, the super rednecks. Uh, you know, got really crazy about the art of the retirees, I should say. The retirees probably went out and put all their blankets over their, their plants. You guys are laughing because you did it too. It's all right. No, no, no shame. But, um, <clears throat> but no, we got, we're so worried it was going to be uh, just super, super gross today. And I walk out in my front door and it's like, not a cloud in the sky. The sun is shining. Temperature's starting to come up. Man, it's going to be a good, good Sunday. Amen. And uh, so today is my first uh, Sunday back, uh, I think I've, well, I did preach one time at the beginning of the new year, uh, but uh, as many of you guys know, some of you might not know, um, uh, I think like second week of the year or something like that, I came down with a, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, illness that's been going around, and uh, my whole family did, and uh, man, my kids, they bounce, kids, they bounce back like super quick, man, it was like a day, Ben didn't even look like he was sick, it was just like, you know, he's still running around in his underwear half the time. Um, and Erica, she did great. She, she felt better after a couple days. Uh, me, on the other hand, I was, I was down for the count. So I wasn't trying to, to milk it either. I was just, I was in it bad. Erica took care of me for a couple weeks and ended up having some pneumonia. And, uh, man, it was, it was some rough stuff. But I'm excited to be back in uh, church today. Um, and also, I want to say thanks for all the people. Man, we've got a fantastic church and a fantastic support system. Man, so many of you guys, people dropped off groceries while we were not feeling good and food and stuff like that. Um, and um, I'm just thankful for uh, the, the family we've got around us. It's another reason why we tell people, like, man, it's important for if you're going to come to a church, man, join a group. Because that group really does become part of your support system, becomes part of your family. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to do life alone. I think as we do life with one another, um, we're, we're going to be become better because of it. You see that throughout the Bible, uh, even after Jesus' time here on this earth, these disciples helped out each other throughout their life. And so uh, we should be doing the same thing. Anyways, I'm excited to be in it today uh, to preach this morning. Um, 
And uh, today I'm preaching a message called Uprooted, uh, as we uh, kind of come to the, the back end of this deep clean series. And so uh, I'm going to pray for us, if you guys are okay with it, and we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for the family that you've given us outside of even our, our blood relation, God, the, the church family, the spiritual family that we have. I thank you for the groups that are continuing to grow within each other and help out each other and challenge each other. Uh, God, I pray that as the church that we are here in New Smyrna Beach, I pray that we would uh, grow stronger each day as we continue to pursue you. Uh, and I thank you for what's to come. I pray that when it comes to this message, your Holy Spirit would give me the exact words I need to say. I pray you give me the energy to preach it beyond my ability would allow. And I thank you so much for what's to come. In your son's name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. You know, when it comes to... Um, this beginning of the year, this month of January, which we're at the back end of now, right? We're already, Everybody's getting ready for, like, the tax season, and they're sending 1099s out, and you're talking to your CPAs, and you guys are already starting, those that are business owners, you're already sweating right now because you're like, dude, I got, like, two more days to get all this done. Um, but January is kind of one of those things that, like, it's that month that, that we try to put our best foot forward, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of lead by example for the rest of the year. And so we try to, we try to plan when it comes to our work or our job. You know, what's this next year? What's the goals that we want to set? You know, same thing for our family. We try to set these, these ideas of like, this is what this year, 2022, should look like. You know, even for ourselves, we set, we set goals like health goals and stuff like that of like how we're going we're gonna to go to the gym, you know, four times a week or whatever it is. And some of you guys were four weeks in, you're like, we're going to go to the gym once a month. You know, I'm going to show up. Um, but we set these goals, and sometimes they just, they get completely thrown out the window. And that's what my life was like this past month, man. It was just absolutely crazy. Eric and I, um, you know, we got together with our team uh, and 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 are preparing for the month of January as a church and, and trying to get through this uh, deep clean series. And it was like, you know, the, the, the first month of the year is so like, that's how you set the tone for everything that's going to come. And obviously it was just a complete, like, it was terrible. It was just, everything got thrown in. Uh, you know, we had multiple families sick and stuff like that. Our own family was going through it. Uh, and it just didn't happen the way that we planned. It was a little, kind of felt like everything just got uprooted and pulled up by, by its, uh, by its roots and scattered all about, you know. Um, our family ourselves, Erica talked a couple weeks ago, right in the middle of going through this, uh, actually had started to move. We live in a condo here in New Smyrna, and so we, had, we were actually moving from one, con- from one unit to a different unit and had about half of our stuff moved. And that's when all of a sudden this thing hit me, and I was absolutely out of it. And so our poor family, we've got Erica and the kids living in one place on, like, bare mattresses with, like, one chair in the middle of a living room, and I'm down in the other place, and everything's split apart, and nothing, nothing, is, nothing is home. And it just feels like everything is just uprooted and just not going the way you wanted it to. And even myself, like, being so out of it, like, energy-wise and stuff, it's just been, it's been one of those things that's, it's a tough, it's been a tough month. I don't feel like, like anything is settled, and I definitely hope that this is not the example for what the rest of the year is going uh, to bring, right? We all have different experiences with this, though, this idea of feeling of being uprooted. It can be some stuff from our past. It can be what's going on right now. This feeling of, of maybe when it comes to our job, 
Some of us have experienced job changes over the past, you know, year to 18 months. Some of us have, have experienced because of COVID and stuff like that, your job has gotten a whole lot busier and a whole lot better and things are going great. You get some people that you're like, I don't have the same job as I had before that. When it comes to family, it can, we, can, we have these ideas of what, what the, the seasons are going to allow for us and how we're going to continue to become closer, become better as a family. And things happen. People make mistakes. And all of a sudden we feel like what we had planned, what we prepared for is just completely uprooted and shaken away. And it's not what we thought it was going to be. In the, the, the book of Proverbs, uh, there's actually a, a verse about this. It says this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. You know, I think as uh, followers of Christ, it's good for us to plan and prepare for the future and what's ahead. But ultimately, I think the thing that we've got to focus on is when it comes to our faith, we continue to put our faith and God Almighty. He's the only one who can get us through what we're going through. Amen? Um, I think that there's a, a fantastic story about this um, in this, this guy uh, named Paul. Paul was uh, one of the guys that helped continue to start the early church after Jesus had come uh, and lived his life and, and then died on the cross and went back to heaven. And uh, last week, my good buddy Rick Hilliard, he, he preached a little bit about Paul uh, in the book of Romans. Romans is this letter that Paul writes to this early church in the city of Rome, or what is going to be the church uh, in Rome. And uh, the fact that, that Paul is, is, is going towards Rome and trying to help uh, spread the word of Jesus there is, is a testament to what Jesus can actually do when we get so uprooted. And so I want to kind of springboard off of that, what he, of what Rick talked about last week in this beginning of, uh, of the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to kind of stay in that a little bit. But beforehand, I want to kind of give us some context about who Paul was and what Paul was going through during this time before he writes uh, this letter to Rome. And so we're going to start off in the book of Acts, chapter 9, uh, verse, uh, verse 1. Now, now, here's the thing. This is Acts is the book that's right before Romans. And so when you get some, uh, as Romans is talked to from the perspective of Paul, Acts is going to talk about where Paul kind of came from. And so Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 2 says, it says, Meanwhile, Saul, which what we'll find out here later on is that Saul was the name that, uh, that Paul had before he met Jesus. So this is Saul. This is before uh, Jesus changed his life and had a, a crazy effect on him and set him on, on the mission that he had. It said, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers on the way uh, of the way, which uh, that word "the way" mean was talking about Christians, early Christians, followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, here's the thing: when we hear this about Saul, we we start to to paint ourselves a picture of who Saul was. 
Saul seemed to be a very, uh, very passionate guy, a man of, a man of conviction. Uh, he had, he had someone that he was someone that had invested time into his trade. Saul, so you know, at this point, he was actually a, a Pharisee. He was a, a priest. He was a, he was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He would have been someone of the Jewish faith that knew the law, knew the Torah, knew the Old Testament stuff, inside and out. And his job, his passion in life, was to defend the faith, to look at this old law and to make sure that it was held to the highest standard, that things weren't changed, that things weren't diluted, that when it came to to the people following what God told them to follow, he was one that was going to passionately stand firm on what God had to say. As we see that he's eager to kill Jesus' followers, we, it paints this picture that he's so passionate about his job. He's, so, he's, so, uh, he's got so much conviction that what he is doing is the right thing. Now, to put this in perspective in today's day, this is, this is actually a job that if you were a Jewish uh, person, this would have been a highly respected job. This is, if you were Paul's mother, or Saul's mother, you probably would have been very, you would have been a very proud mother because Saul was the one that was out there defending the faith of your people in a time in which it was being attacked. We would see as the, as the story continues on that Saul, as he pursues these Christians, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus, he comes to a point on a road in which Jesus stops him and has this moment with him and connects with him and says, buddy, what are you doing? You are so off base right now. You are doing the exact opposite of what you should be doing. This is after he had this moment, after this shining bright light hit him, as Jesus talked to him and said that Saul was blinded. And so Jesus goes to a man named Ananias and he sends him, he says, hey, I want you to go to Saul of Tarsus and I want you to talk to him, I want you to pray for him. Ananias was a little afraid because he understood who Saul was. He knew what Saul was doing in the area. And he had heard stories from, from the, 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 the passion and conviction that Saul had had and what he was doing to followers of the way. And so Ananias, as a follower of Christ, he was a little bit hesitant. But he chooses his faith in Christ. And he goes to Saul and he prays for him. And it says that as, as he prayed for Saul, as he prayed for his blindness and for a change in his heart, that said something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. The Bible doesn't talk about this because I think about what Saul went through to become who he was. The schooling that he had to go through, the hours and years, uh, the, the so much time he had to go to, 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 to put into understanding the law and studying the law. You think about the, the people that he had around him, his, his other co-workers, the other priests and the other rabbis, the respect that he must have had because of how much passion he had in defending the faith. The people around him, his, his community, the respect that they had for him for being a fighter, a defender of the faith. He had built himself up into having this this job that was a very respectable job, and he was very good at it. And here comes Jesus, and he completely uproots it all, pulls it right out of the ground. You know, you think of uh, 
we, we had this big freeze yesterday. There's going to be a lot of people probably in the next couple of days. You're going to see some plants turn brown and stuff like that. Guess what? They're not going to come back. They're dead. You're going to have to uproot them. You have to throw them away in the trash. Sad times. But I think for what Saul had in his job, in his identity, and who he was and what he had built up over years and years, and his plans for the future, in this one moment, everything changed. It was completely uprooted. And for my own life, that there would be a lot of tension in that. There's tension in this idea of like this thing that happened along our lives that has changed us forever. Whether it's with our job or whether it's with our, our family. For some of us, as we sat, stood across from the person that we loved, our spouse, and in front of our friends and family said, till death to us part, and, and something happened along the way, and we didn't keep our word, or they didn't keep our word, and our, our plans and our thoughts of what was going to happen are just completely uprooted and changed. For some of us, we committed so much time to, to this, this fantastic uh, job that we thought we were going to, this, this vocation we were going to do for the rest of our lives. And then something happened to change, and we've, it's been completely uprooted. For some of us, the thing that uprooted us, that changed our life, is, is our own past mistakes. It might, be, might even be sin in our lives. But whatever it is, it's still a tough feeling to feel, this idea of, Everything changing, and it's not doing life the same way we thought we were going to do it. So as we see from Saul, who became Paul and what he had to go through, I think there's, I think there's three things for us to do as followers of Christ that will get us through this uprooted season. That will allow us to continue to not just survive, but, but thrive in the midst of, of the winter storm that we've had to go through. In the midst of the change, as, as things feel like they're, they're dying around us, I think there's three things that will help us to thrive and get through what we're going through. And the first thing is, first thing I believe that we got to do is surrender. Whatever you're going through, the thing that has caused you to, to, to become uprooted, whatever it is, the job, the, the tension that you have in it when it comes to your relationship or your lack thereof relationship, I think the first thing that we got to do is we've got we've to give it up. We've got to surrender it. We've got to say, God, you know what this was. You know what my plans were, but I'm going to give it up to you. In Acts chapter 9, verse 19, the story continues when it comes to Saul. It says, afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. He says, and immediately he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed the Son of God. Now I want to stop there because here's a man that has lost all of his identity, literally everything that he had prepared himself for to go through in life is no longer the same. He has been completely uprooted in his life. And it doesn't say that he stopped and mourned. It doesn't say they stressed out about it. It doesn't say they sat and he planned. It says Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus, which that in itself shows his commitment to just putting away his past life. And it says immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he is indeed 
the Son of God. Everything that Saul was, his identity, his past community, his plans for the future, his, his idea of who he was, he surrendered and said, Jesus, I'm going to do, do what you tell me to do. I'm going to focus on you, not the plans I had, not my past experience, not, not my, my, what I thought was my support system. I'm going to focus on Jesus. Since all who heard him were amazed, and this, this is the same man that caused such devastation amongst, amongst Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them into chains uh, to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus could not uh, refute his proof that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. When it comes to being uprooted, when it comes to the change that you, you're experiencing and, and, and the pain you, you might be feeling of, of what was lost, don't hold on to the past. Don't hold on to the thing that you think was your identity. Don't put your faith in that. Put your faith in the Father. When it comes to, to you growing, you cannot thrive where God doesn't want you. Now, you've got free will. You, you might survive. You might be able to continue to push on. But if you want to thrive, follow and do what Jesus is calling you to do. The wrong direction always leads to the wrong destination. Don't follow the wrong direction. We see later on in, uh, in Romans 1, chapter 1, and Rick, he, said, uh, he talked about this this past week. As, as Paul is going to, to reach out and try to help this church along as he's fully committed to the future of what Jesus has called him to, he says this. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle sent out to preach the good news. He doesn't say, hey, this is from Paul. I used to be named Saul. I used to be a priest. I used to be a rabbi. These are the people I hung out with. He doesn't, he doesn't throw out any of his credentials of anything of what his past life was. He doesn't hold on. He, he, he fully surrenders it. He says, my name's Paul, and I follow Christ Jesus. As he embraces that, we see this fantastic thing happen in the city of Rome. The first thing you got to do when it comes to being uprooted, to thriving in, in that, that tense environment, surrender the place where you were. Surrender your past and say, Christ, God, I'm going to look to you and what you have in my future. The second thing that you got to do is use. You know, I think sometimes we, we look at these things where we came from and, and, and what we've experienced in our past hurt and our pain, and the culture that we live in now is like, just get rid of it. Just put it away. Don't ever talk about it. Don't even act like it ever happened. We've got people in our lives that we just completely cut out and ghost, and, and they're not even they're not even there anymore. We've got complete chapters of our lives that we don't talk about anymore. We just push it all away and act like it didn't happen. We sweep it under the rug because we're shameful of it. But when it came to Paul, Paul didn't just like act like none of this stuff happened. Paul didn't just like act like he, he didn't do what he had done, that he didn't pursue Christians. Paul had, a, had another thought. He allowed his past pain to be used as a testimony for what God was going to use him for in the future. 
He let that testimony be a tool for what he was going to do in the kingdom in the future. Romans chapter 2, verse 17 says this. It says, you who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law. And you boast about your special relationship with him. You know what he wants and you know what is right because you have been taught his law. Let me stop there. As he's talking to these Jewish people in the city of Rome, the reason he's able to talk to them so clearly, the reason he's able to connect with them like, like none of the other disciples had before is because they understood where he came from. They understood what he had done before, and he understood the law inside and out better than what they would have. And so he was able to, to marry this Old Testament law and connect it with what Jesus taught in a way that they did not understand before. So rather than throwing away his past experience, rather than saying that none of that, because I was so wrong, because I was so off base, I'm going to act like none of that ever happened, he uses his past. He uses what he learned in the past as a tool to continue to pursue what Jesus wanted him to do in planting churches. He continues on. He says, you're convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children in the way of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well, then if you teach others... Why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? I'm reminded of what Rick talked about this past week. He was saying when it comes to faith, faith isn't about what you know. Faith isn't about the knowledge that you have. It's about the actions that you take. And so when it comes to this, this feeling of being uprooted, when it comes to having faith in, in Jesus for the future, I think one of the actions that we've got to remember is in our past, the things that, that we're, we're kind of shameful of, the things that, that we came out of, maybe there's opportunity there to use that as a testimony and a tool for what God has called us to. When it comes to the people that are around us, you know, we, we live in a world where we post on Instagram and Facebook and all these other things like our highlight reels, the best of the best, our kids when they look like they're all put together and everything's right. Not when your son Benjamin is drawn with a permanent marker on the side of the wall because he just figured out his name. We don't post that stuff on Facebook. We post the best of the best. But what about if God's put people in your path, people in your life that, that you can help out based off of where you came from, based off of, in, in spite of what you got uprooted out of? Use what you've been through. Let it be a testimony for what God can do. The last thing I think that we've got to do when it comes to being uprooted to be able to thrive is we've got to go. We've got to get to a point where we put our faith into action. We can't get to a point where we just understand and know what the truth is. We understand that God can get us through it. I think we've got to put, we've got to, 
when it comes to our faith as a church and you as an individual, when the rubber hits the road and the nitty hits the gritty, you've got to get to a point where understanding that your faith is about what you do with it, not about what you know and keep internal. Your faith, we have all been called to a purpose. As we follow Christ, that, that purpose is to introduce other people to him. Right? He told his disciples, and he, as, as, he, as, as, he spo- as we're supposed to continue to go on, the Great Commission says, baptize those. Continue to go on and make disciples. It's not about teaching them, those people knowledge. It's about letting them see your faith in actions. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2, this is the end of the letter. This is what Paul says to the church in Rome, and I think it's something that he can be saying to us as well. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. That, I, that idea of give, that's, that's surrender. That's giving up of, of the past. It's giving up of your past identity. Literally, we saw Saul become Paul. He gave up who he was. Give your bodies to God because of what he has done. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. The world says that you should just put all that stuff a way that you're ashamed of, that you're afraid of. I think God says, no, use that as a testimony. Let that testimony be a tool. Use what you've gone through. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Faith isn't about what you know, it's about what you do. Lastly, I want to leave you with this. As Paul continues to plant churches, he writes this letter to a young church planter named Timothy, another follower of the way, a follower of Christ. He says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given, my, given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me. In, in a time where he's discipling and helping teach a young leader, he doesn't skip over his past. He uses it. He addresses it. He says, I, I need you to know what, what Jesus saved me out of. He says, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that came from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying that everyone should accept it. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. But God has had mercy on me, 
so that Christ Jesus could use me as a primary example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Paul, as he's continuing to make disciples, says it's not about being perfect. It's not about hitting the mark every time. It's about having faith in Christ that he would come in and use your past mistakes, even if you've been uprooted, even if you're going through pain, and that other people would see how you continue to follow him in spite of it. Being a follower of Christ doesn't mean life is easy and everything goes the way you want it to. I wish it did. It'd be nice if it was just the cheat codes to get through life and let it be easy. I haven't experienced that yet. But I do know as I continue to embrace my past mistake, as I continue to follow Jesus, my life around me continues to get better. The world around me continues to get better. And I experience life and peace in a way that I had never experienced it before. And so with whatever you're going through, I want to challenge you as you're being uprooted, surrender your past. Get past your past. Don't throw it away, though, because it might be an opportunity that Jesus wants to use your past. But all the way, understand that you're called with a mission to go, to share the love of Christ with those that are around you. Because of Paul doing this, the guy that wanted to kill Christians, that wanted to put them in chains and take them back to Jerusalem because of the conviction and faith in Christ. Years later, we would see that the city of Rome, or that the Rome itself, one of the major religions, would actually become Christianity. And that tens upon thousands of people would confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Tens of thousands of people. The world was changed forever because one man surrendered his past, used it still to glorify God, and lived out the mission and went and did what God called him to do by faith. And that's what my challenge is for you here today. For whatever you're going through as you feel like you've been uprooted, have hope and understand that God's not done with you yet. You know how you know God's not done with you? Because you're not dead. If you're not dead, God's not done. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for what you're going through. As we go into this week, as, as we hope it warms up, I hope that the feeling that you're feeling of being uprooted continues to change and that feeling of hopelessness turns into a feeling of hope in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, you know what we're going through. Jesus, you, you, some of the uprooting that we're feeling is because of you. Just like you up, uprooted Paul, as you uprooted Saul and turned him into Paul, God, so I know that, Jesus, that sometimes you're trying to uproot us and change us and adjust us for what you need us to do in the future. God, I pray that we would not hope 
in what we planned and what we prepared, we would put our hope in you. For the things that we've done to ourselves, the mistakes that we've made our own selves, the things that have uprooted us that were in our control. God, I know that you're still not done. And I know that you're able to use those mistakes as a testimony and a tool for the future. And so I pray that, that that's what we would see, that we put our faith and our hope in you. It wouldn't be about what we know. It wouldn't be about what we do. And I thank you so much and believe that the best is yet to come as we continue to choose you. Your sons let me pray. Everybody said, amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.